As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, everybody. It's Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, A.J. Maletsko. A.J., how's it going today? Pretty good. We're um, stuck in some pouring rain, uh, not such winter weather, so it's it's a little bit of a bummer. So happy to talk some aisles instead of that. <laughs> well, you are at home, so that's at least uh, <laughs> one small victory. You're not traveling all over the Northeast. That's true. I get to call the game from the basement tonight, so my home studio, which is good. <laughs> Uh, and tonight, uh, as AJ said, she'll be calling the game Islanders Sabres round two. Uh, round one was last night, a very, uh, very concise Islanders style three, one win, a uh, couple of low moments early, uh, no shots allowed in the third period at all by the Islanders, uh, no shots on goal, I should say. Um, and they kind of followed up, uh, another good performance on Saturday, a four, two win over the Bruins, um, you know, that was, again, a, a third period where game was tied. Matthew Barzell scored a power play goal. J.G. Pajot had two goals, including a shorthanded goal um, to kind of clinch it. So, you know, the Islanders, uh, 4-0-3 in their last seven. Looking good, better than they had, I think, since uh, a lot of these Tuesday uh, sit-downs that we've had on the podcast. Um, and looking ahead, to t- looking ahead to tonight, uh, as Barry Trotz said a little while ago, Anthony Beauvillier will be back in after missing, I believe it's uh, nine games with a lower body injury. Um, and uh, AJ, you know, when you're going this well, who comes out? You know, Anthony Beauvillier is an important guy, but uh, who do you who do you see in the lineup that's uh, that's worthy of coming out right now? Well, you know, what's interesting is you go back a week or 10 days and you you pose the same question and it's more and you look at it more of a perspective of who's going well, right? It felt like so many people could have gone out because every it, it, for Islanders fans, it just felt like they wanted more out of, you know, X, Y, Z. It goes up and down the list with the exception of maybe Varlamov in that top line. Um, so, you know, I think now it's a good problem for Barry Trotz to have that they're starting to click. And, and a quick note on, on the games, last two games, what's nice about it is they're getting to Islanders hockey, right? And and you talk about how they didn't start maybe that well, but they took a lead and they shut it down. And that is Islanders hockey. That is what they do so well. Uh, they lock it down defensively, particularly in that third period, not allowing a shot for the Sabres. Um, but, you know, looking at the lineup, great news that Anthony Bavillier's back. You think about the energy that he brings 
rings, the speed, the explosiveness. I mean, he can really be dynamic. Um, and I think that he could jumpstart uh, Nelson and Bailey on that second line. You know, of course, Nelson had a goal. Bailey was great with two assists last night. Um, so, you know, it's a really interesting uh dilemma and you and I were talking ahead of time the the only choices for Barry Trotz are Wallstrom or um Leo to come out of the lineup and I, looking at those two I felt like Leo had a real rough start to the beginning of the season and the way he played those first couple games especially against Washington I think he's been really good the last two games my I I think that he may t- I, I actually have no idea uh but I think that he could take Wallstrom out because to me Wallstrom's a goal scorer that's his role. He should be in a top six goal scoring role. And that's not what he's slotted at right now. Whereas Leo plays that grinding third line, you know, get out there, play block shots, play penalty kill, do all that sort of stuff. And I do think that Leo had a really good game on Saturday. So he's sort of, he's, he's that long leash that Barry Trotz has given him is coming back to pay, but I have a feeling you disagree with me. (laughs) I do. I do. Um, You know, when we were talking too, and I suppose I should clarify for everybody, because of the way the roster situation is, they're at a 23-person roster right now with Beauvillier still on injured reserve. He'll come off at some point today. He probably already has by the time you're listening to this because it'll be close to game time. Um, And that means somebody has to come off the roster, not just out of the lineup. And the only options among the forwards are Leo Komarov, who was put back on waivers and cleared the other day, and Oliver Wallstrom, who doesn't need waivers. So that's why we're limiting it to those two. They could make another change in terms of putting somebody in the lineup, but that would be a Ross Johnston for someone else swap that I don't think is going to happen. So um, clarifying the parameters of it's got to be Leo or Oliver Wallstrom, I would I would probably take Leo out, and I'll give you my reasons why. It's the second half, second game of a back-to-back, and I don't know that, that Leo at age 34 is necessarily going to be as effective on the second night of a back-to-back. Ageism. Um, That's ageism. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm the oldest person in this entire conversation. So, um, but I really liked what Wallstrom was doing uh, in the detail part of the game last night. You know, I think seeing him make some smart plays, as Barry said after the game, he do- he doesn't look like a deer in the headlights in his own zone when things get a little hairy. And they did early on. That line struggled a little bit. And I don't think it was all on Wallstrom. Uh, they were on for a couple of good chances against. But he's he's making t- he's making some good plays along the wall. He's winning some battles. He's not just looking for how can I get the puck on my stick when I'm in a when I'm in a scoring opportunity or in a shooting opportunity. He's still doing that, and I think um, some of the plays five on five, and I think the best play he made all night was a play off the wall on the power play on Brock Nelson's goal to make it three one. It was it was kind of you know the Sabers overloaded to the wall side. It was kind of a three on three battle, and he looked you could see him look up. He saw Josh Bailey. He he took his time in the middle of a kind of a chaotic scene along the wall. And fired that pass over and created a two-on-one that Bailey fed Nelson for the tap-in goal. So I think the little things that he's doing are earning his trust with Barry Trotz. And we know that trust is is the most important all-caps word when it comes to young guys and Barry Trotz. So I think given that, I think you give him a little more time. You give him a little bit more of a leash. And maybe putting Anthony Beauvillier in Komarov's spot with Pajot and Wallstrom, maybe there's some more chemistry there and you turn that line into a bit, of, a bit more of a speed and scoring line because you've got two of the fastest guys, fastest forwards on the team in Beauvillier and Pajot. And then if you've got a guy like Wallstrom who's rounding his his 200-foot game into, into place, um, you know, that'll create more scoring opportunities for them. You know, Leo is a lovable guy and he had, did have a great game on Saturday, 
but he is what he is. And I think if Bovillier slots back into, that gives you another penalty killer to work with Pajot. Um, so that kind of obviates the need to have Leo in there. So I think well, if and you make a good point about the power play because the power play is another place that's really cranking right now. Um, so the fact that there are two two units that are playing well for Barry Trotz, I think that's good. You know, I, I do the secondary scoring is an interesting one. Trying to get that generated, uh, giving giving Wallstrom an opportunity to keep learning from JG Pajot. What we haven't commented on is that Del Cole has been really really good. I think yeah. on that second line and better than people maybe expected of him and. Not not necessarily scoring goals like they would would expect from Bovillier in that spot, but he has been a really good support for Nelson and Bailey, and he's done a lot of the defensive stuff that maybe he wouldn't have done in years past. So there, you know, you, you talk of the little things that Wallstrom's doing. I think there are little things that Dal Cole's doing on that second line, and I think he's going to make it really hard uh, for Trotz in terms of trying to figure out how he lines up uh, his personnel. Yeah, I don't. I mean, to me, I don't even think Dal Calls is a part of the who comes out conversation at this point. I think he's. Really, I just meant bumped down in the lineup, yeah. but yes, I agree with you. Uh, Barry did say today that uh, he 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 wouldn't commit to seeing which line Bovillier is going to slot in on. He said you might see both. You might see Bovillier back with Nelson. You might see Bovillier with Pajot um, in whoever's spot, whether it's Komarov or Wallstrom. So I think there's going to be some middle six shuffling just to sort of see where Bovillier fits best. And there's certainly the argument to be made that. Brock Nelson, who had a goal last night and has looked uh, kind of incrementally better the last week or so, um, whether he would benefit from having Bovillier back because as a tandem, those two guys were probably their most consistent forwards in the last couple of years. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that that's, that's the question mark, right? Is is And the expectation for where Bo is in his game with a little bit of a layoff and the injury and coming back. And sometimes these guys come back from injuries and they're shot out of a cannon and they bring that energy and they raise everybody. They sort of drag everybody up to their energy level. And other times maybe they shy away from the physical play or, or what it may be. So it, it will be interesting. It's a little hard for you and I, Arthur, that we can't to go to these practices as much just with COVID stuff. So we can't really get a gauge on how he looks until we see him in the game tonight. Um, and that's something that Barry and his staff has been able to see. So, you know, he has some decision-making, but, you know, as I said at the start of this, I think that it's it's good decisions in the sense that he has a lot of people starting to fire on all cylinders as opposed to a week to 10 days ago when they were last in the Eastern Division and now they're in a playoff spot, right? It goes to show these four-point games, you, a week goes by and you have a couple wins and suddenly you sort of catapult up in the standings and, and that's going to go like a seesaw all year with all of these teams. Um, but, you know, I think that the fact that now he's got these guys going as opposed to saying, you know, where's Josh Bailey, where's Brock Nelson, uh, where's, you know, whoever it may be, Pajot, now on a three-game goal-scoring streak, right? So he's got these guys that are now that are now doing what they're expecting. And by the way, the fourth line, too, that was yeah. virtually invisible for the first 10 days. And now suddenly they are bringing the energy. They are bringing the identity. And they're bringing the hits. And they're, and they're providing a little offense, which is above and beyond what's expected. So, you know, it's all looking good right now, trending in the right direction. But I think this is why Barry Trotz gets paid the big bucks, right? He's got to figure out how to how to how to pull those strings. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think we're going to go with some Twitter questions for the rest of the show. So we've got some mail. You've got mail. All right. Bring it on. I can't wait. I haven't, I haven't, I saw that you threw that out there, but I haven't been able to see any of the responses. So, so I'll be off the cuff. I can't wait. Our first question has to do with uh, what will likely happen tonight. Barry, of course, wouldn't give up who's in net, but we think it's going to be Ilya Sorokin. So our friend Daniel Pedrozoli says, how do they manage the goalie situation? And is Sorokin a a valid backup at this point? Um, Well, what we think doesn't really matter because the Islanders think it. Barry Trotz has said it. Lou Lamarillo, who had a, a brief media call the other day said that they don't really see the need to put Sorokin to to drop Sorokin down to Bridgeport to play a game or two to get his confidence back and it really is a lot facilitated by the schedule this year Bridgeport has 24 games they're about to play game 4 of their season I think tomorrow night and there just isn't a lot of time to shuttle guys back and forth to to Connecticut uh wondering about quarantines and situations like that um it, it's just it sends like a, kind of a a nightmare logistically speaking so uh, for the time being, Sorokin is with the Islanders. Uh, it sounds like he's going to play tonight in the second half of a back-to-back, the first back-to-backs they've had in a while. Uh, and he's still looking for his first win. So, uh, AJ, you know, do you think, even with a long layoff and not yet having a win, that this guy can still be a productive part of this group? I do. I think that he is one of those... Um He's one of those players right now that he has to work his way up in terms of creating that trust that we were just talking about with some of the forwards and some of the skaters, uh, and, and not just with Barry Trotz and the staff, but with the team, right? And and it, we've talked about this before on this podcast that you know he's had a couple games, and the first one was a really tough situation. He's thrown in during warmups, his NHL debut when Varlamov takes that high high hit to the jaw. Uh, so you start, even if you throw that one out, then suddenly he comes in and the team doesn't play well in front of him. They finally play a little bit better in front of him, but some bad bounces, whatever it may be, he hasn't found his first win. So at what point does it become a mental or a psychological hurdle for him and the team to get past? I don't know. I don't think we're there yet, but the interesting thing is you look at the way Barry Trotz has handled his goalies in his two years behind the bench with the Islanders. He's split them as much as he can until one of the goalies two years ago was Robin Leonard. Last year was Varlam sort of steals the crease and both times Thomas Grice was such a great backup and it's hard to even call him a backup because he played so many of the games and he started almost half the games leading up you know at one point last year they set a record for splitting the game so uh, you know this is interesting to see Barry Trotz not have that situation and really go with Varlamov from the outset now part of it is obviously it's a shorter season Part of it is the situation of having a rookie goaltender. And I think it shows the experience of Barry Trotz that he just doesn't go with a knee jerk. I want to split goalies. I want to, you know, 40, whatever the split would be. I can't do the the higher math right now, breaking down (laughs) an 82 to a 56 game season. But, uh, you know, I think that he's he's proven that. So to answer the question, can he be a legit starter in, in this league on this team? And is he a big part of this team? Absolutely. There is no way right now in COVID times, especially, but even playing at this level, they have to have a legit second goalie, whether it's a 1A, 1B situation, which is the ideal, or whether you have a backup. I think Sorokin uh, is that guy. I think that he needs to, the team's got to have a big game in front of him if he does in fact start tonight. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think the only concern that jumps off, you know, the page to me, just looking at at his games, is you know, this is a guy who played pretty regularly for seven years in the KHL. They don't have as big a schedule as the NHL does, but but he was getting forty to forty five starts a year, playing the playoffs for his team uh, in Moscow. Um, and does you know when you've been a starter, it's hard to go to being a guy that plays every so often. And he's still a young guy, and that rhythm, I'm sure, is very important to him. And his rhythm has been blown to hell with this past year with coming over, not being able to play in the playoff bubble, just practicing that whole time, practicing basically by himself uh, in you know the 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 off season uh, last fall uh, out on Long Island with the goalie coaches. So it's you know this this guy uh, call him a kid he's twenty five he's he's kind of middle aged for a hockey player but um, he's had a lot thrown at him that uh, that a lot of other people can't really say that they've had so uh, you know I think I think this whole year is going to start to look like a kind of a developmental adjustment year where I think a lot of fans were sort of thinking like by the end of this season he's going to be the number one and Varlamov can kind of go off to wherever it's certainly not that case. Um, so you do, you do wonder how he, you know, he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. We'll see how he handles this. Um, he's got to get into some kind of a groove. And I think that's, that's also a consideration, but, uh, as Lou and Barry often say, this isn't a developmental league. This is a results league. And, uh, if he doesn't get the results, he's not going to play. Um, so it is interesting to see. And I think some other, one other question that we got from, uh, Brian Fawnen about speaking about the, the backup goalies, will Corey Schneider ever get a game? either in the NHL or in Bridgeport. My initial reaction is, no, probably not. And I think Corey might have known that going in. But what, I don't know. What, what do you think about it? I, that's my gut reaction is no. Um, again, unless something happens and that's what he's there for. He's sort of a safety net, right? And he has a ton of experience. And um, and he comes in with some trust in this, uh, just be based on his experience. But at the same time, I think that uh, Barry Trotz and and his staff they've they've made it pretty clear Varlamov is their guy and then they're they're willing to bet on Sorokin right it, it, based on what they've seen based on the years that he's he played overseas based on you know his work ethic and what he's done in practice so to your point he obviously needs to get into a rhythm but they know that he has the potential to get there and that's not taking anything away from Corey Schneider I do think that that was I think he comes in with his eyes wide open um so we'll see and time will tell if you know you mentioned you see some of these teams going through these COVID protocols and what they've had to face I, he's Corey Schneider's got to stay ready you never know what's going to happen ba- just in a regular year let alone COVID year but yeah my gut is I'm with you on that I, did, I don't expect it yeah and maybe he had expected to play some in Bridgeport and maybe that was what the Islanders had expected but I think when everyone saw these third and fourth goalies changing hands at via waivers and they would need to put Schneider on waivers to send him down to play in Bridgeport um, and there's really no other third option that they have, their you know their prospect, twenty one year old prospect Jakob Skarek has played the first three games in Bridgeport, and he is not ready for the NHL, and they don't really have anybody else in the organization right now. So Schneider is it in case one of those scenarios happens, and they can't afford to to possibly lose him on waivers. So yeah, he's he's a practice goalie essentially for now, and an occasional backup, and um, and you know maybe that's not how what he envisioned or what anyone envisioned when he came into the season, but adaptability is kind of the name of the game right now. So. Um, and lastly, Andrew Wells has a question about uh, the other goalie in the three-goalie situation at Semyon Varlamov. Do you think he's playing the best hockey of his life? Uh, you know, he had a, maybe a, a pretty good year in Colorado in 13-14. And he, uh, Andrew says he's definitely our MVP. Uh, I would agree. What do you think so far? 
I would say he's the MVP and, and, you know, that's not even, uh, and that's taking into account maybe some goals he wants back against Washington when the team didn't play very well in front of him. But, you know, I think it was that one Hathaway goal that was really surprising to see him let up. It was an outside shot. Um, but with that said, <laughs> you can't be perfect, right? I mean, some of the things that save he made last night, uh, was it on Olofsson coming across? Yeah. I mean, he got a piece of it and then it hit the post. He just looks dialed in. And, and I think the thing that impresses me the most is you see goalies come across and make saves. And if anybody watched uh, Marc-Andre Fleury the other night with the Golden Knights, like he had a couple insane saves too. And the way they move laterally always is eye-popping. But what I like about Varlamov is uh, is his aggressiveness and his calmness. And those don't always necessarily go hand in hand. But I think when he's playing well, he's outside. He's, you know, his heels are on the blue paint, meaning he's up on his crease. He's outside. He's cutting down the angle, but he's not moving a lot. So he's he's forcing the players to shoot at him. So it doesn't look like these big heroic saves like that one that I just referenced. Instead, the puck's hitting him. And his rebound control has been excellent. And that's one of the biggest things in this league. You know, and, and a quick comment on the Sorokin thing. That's where I think the biggest learning curve is going to be. We, you and I have talked about it before. All that chaos, all that mayhem in front of him that's hard for a goalie coming into this league on the smaller ice surface from overseas so I think when you look at Varlamov to me he has been their MVP he has give every game that he's played he has given them a chance to win for sure there's no question about it he has made some big saves timely saves that have then boosted the team up given the bench a chance to jump on their feet take a deep breath and want to go down to the other end and score a goal for their goaltender so is it the best hockey he's ever played I don't know that I that either you or I are in a position to say that just based on the fact that we get to see him all the time now we didn't see him that year that he was really good in Colorado um I, you know that would be an interesting question for Semyon but I, I think that for whatever it's worth he looks so dialed in and so much of a goaltender's um uh, I don't know it, what they're doing is up starts up in their head and he looks like he's mentally uh, pretty sharp right now you ready showtime on May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy what are you doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Kyle Begley has a question that I think, uh, AJ, you might be better equipped than me to answer. When a player or a team goes on a hot streak, how aware of that is a player? He's referencing Matthew Barzal's got a nine-game point streak or the team talking about having a point in seven straight. And we can even go back to the, the franchise record-setting 17-game point streak they had last season. Um, do the players talk about that? Do they keep it in the back of their mind? Is it ever something that's on your mind in such a team-oriented sport? Uh, I would say yes, it is. Uh, with that said, as lo- it, it's it, it can give confidence, so it's a good thing, right? As long as the, a player is not so focused on it that then they you know they stop doing the other parts of their start doing the other good parts of their game. You know, you you think about that seventeen game point streak that the team was on last fall. Of course, they thought about it. I'm sure they didn't talk about it very much, um, only because that's it's a you know athletes are generally pretty superstitious, uh, but I think individually. Same thing. Players are on it. They probably, you know, somebody like Matt Barzell is probably not bringing it up. His teammates might be. I'm sure they're razzing him a little bit on it in the in the locker room in a good way. Um, so, like a, when a, a scoring player is in a slump, 
they think about it in a negative way and they that's a that's the sort of mental skills challenge they have is to break them themselves out of that slump and not grip their sticks too tightly and sometimes you'll see people come out of a slump by you know they get a goal cuz it goes off their rear end into the net it's a funny bounce and then suddenly they get to relax and they can start playing their game i think you look at somebody like Matt Barzell he's he's put up some some points, but some important points, right? Some, some big time goals that he's setting up. But what I like about it is that he's also doing so much more on the defensive side of the puck and the defensive end of the net than we've ever seen him do before. And last night, the an Anders Lee goal that he got the secondary assist, it, it, you know, Bailey gets the first assist, beautiful play by Josh Bailey. And I'm not taking anything away from him, but Matt Barzell mixing it up on the boards who would expect to see that a year or two years or three years ago, right? And he's in there throwing his body around, being physical. And I think that shows a level of confidence too, that he's sort of like, okay, you know what? Barry Trotz has been working with me on my 200-foot game and look what it's done for me. I've been able to win face-offs, important defensive zone face-offs against Sidney Crosby, one of the best in the game. I've been able to back check, break up plays, but look, I'm also putting up points, which is important to this team and obviously important to him individually too. I mean, team comes first, but it's nice for these guys to be able to produce. I'll tell you who wasn't expecting that physical play. That was Sam Reinhardt who went up <laughs> on his face because Barzal laid him out to make set up that play, which I think was shocking to everybody. It might have even been a little shocking to Barry Trotz and everybody on the bench because you don't. And maybe even that. to Matt Barzell. I'm not sure he knew <laughs> he had that in him too. <laughs> maybe um, Thomas Bach and a couple of others have asked this, and this is uh, an area uh, that I hear about a lot on Twitter uh, in e- in emails and chats that we do. Uh, and it's development. You know, it, the question is, um, you know, Tom is quoting Barry Trott saying the NHL is not a developmental league, but I would love to have someone develop Islander prospects like Barry Trotz, um, whether it's Bellows or Wallstrom, Michael Del Call. Um, and then another question that's similarly themed is, uh, is Bridgeport doing a good enough job? And the implication is Brent Thompson, the Bridgeport coach and his assistants, Eric Boganecki and Matt Karkner. Um We've seen how it's stagnated some players. And I don't know, AJ, if you ever hear this from Islander fans, but I get this a lot about Brent Thompson, who's been the Bridgeport coach, I think, now for seven years, that a lot of fans feel like he hasn't developed enough players. And if they're saying players, that's just factually wrong. Like, you know, last year, the top four on the Islanders, the best, you know, the best defensive team in the league for two years running, were all guys that played multiple seasons in Bridgeport with Devon Taves, Scott Mayfield, Ryan Pollock, and Adam Pellick all have over 100 games in Bridgeport. They've traded Taves. Nick Letty is not a homegrown guy. Um, but it's still three of their top guys in Mayfield, Pollock, and Pellick, and certainly their top pair. And so you have to give Brent Thompson credit for that. They haven't had a lot of forwards to develop from in, from in, in the internal standpoint. Michael Del Call, I think, who was a point-of-game player in Bridgeport uh, a couple of years ago and earned his kind of regular call-up is one of them. Um, but they really haven't had a whole lot else to work with. So, um, you know, I, I think the question I guess we could talk about more is um, when Barry Trott says we're not here to develop guys, it's true. You have to you have to win games, and, and I think fans get a little frustrated when they see Noah Dobson maybe have a slow game and Barry sits him and rotates 5-D, five, five which he did last night. You saw Andy Green out there with Ryan Pollock for a couple shifts in the third period and not Noah Dobson. Um, we might see it if – he, Barry agrees with you that Oliver Wallstrom should come out of the lineup and Anthony Beauvillier should go in tonight. Um, you know, how, how do you sort of juxtapose or, or juggle the we have to make sure our young guys move forward, but also you have to win games? 
Yeah, you know, it's a tough balance. And, and side note, by the way, I, I grew up playing youth hockey against Eric Boganicki. So it's really <laughs> funny to me that he, you know, I, and again, I don't know him. I haven't, or I haven't seen him since who knows when, but yeah, it's pretty, he's still it's pretty the, funny. He's the, he's the same ID he was whenever you guys were back then. <laughs> I am not. I, I grew I, late, so I probably tower I, over I say now. that. I say that with love, Bogey. He's the best. <laughs> um, so I, you know, it's a, it's a really tough question, and it's a really tough balance, and especially in a season where the expectations for the Isles have, has grown exponentially under the tutelage of Barry Trotz, right? So he comes in as coach, and the, right at the beginning, and that was my first year covering the Islanders regularly, when people think outside of, you know, oh my God, could the Islanders maybe make the playoffs? And of course, not <laughs> only do they make the playoffs, they sweep the Penguins, right? And then a year later, they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So suddenly the conversation isn't about, are they going to make the playoffs? But, you know, how far are they going to go? Do they have the pieces to, you know, really make a run for the cup? And I think they proved this summer that they they did better than maybe people expected them to. Um, so in terms of develop, you know, and, and then on, Alternative, or um, in addition, you're you've got a season like now where it's 56 games, so you don't have time to necessarily take the slow approach like they did with Noah Dobson, have him come along the entire season, but watch and learn. But I do think that Barry Trotz, with his experience, values watching and values these guys learning from the press box, right? And you know, if anyone watching the game last night showed, they showed Lou Lamorello sitting up there. Who was sitting with him? Johnny Boychuk. So if you've got somebody sitting up there and learning from a player like that with his experience and the way he sees the game and and what he understands, you know, there is there is real value in that. So say Wallstrom does come out, and I, obviously I have no idea. There, there's obviously in-game learning too. There are some things that a coach cannot teach you. The game has to teach you. And so, uh, you know, do you take somebody like that who sits upstairs and watches? Do you take, you know, whatever it may be? And, you know, the other thing that watching the game last night, listening to Anson Carter, who was working with Brendan Burke, and he, they were talking about the draft and they were talking about, you know, some of the Buffalo Sabres players, but Anson Carter was drafted in the 10th round, right? And so they're talking, one of the things he said that I laughed at, he said, the only thing a first round draft guarantees you is a hat and a jersey, <laughs> right? And and it's true, right? You take some of these guys, they've got to put their money where their mouth is, whether that means they go to the AHL and they develop slowly, whether it means they jump right into the league. And you look at the first overall pick last year in Jack Hughes, and he struggled last year. Part of it was injuries. Part of it was adjusting to, a, you know, the, the best league in the world to jump in there is, is a difficult thing to do. So, you know, to answer the question, is Bridgeport developing players? Yeah, I think, I think they're doing a good job. I think these guys come up and they understand the systems too. That's the hardest thing is Barry Trotz does have a very specific structure and they get it. But now with that said, this year's a little different in terms of going up and down between the AHL and the NHL just based on COVID protocols. Um, but I think that for Barry Trotz, he, they, he knows they've got to win and they can win. But he also, between him and Lou Lamorello, they understand the future of the program and they are willing to take that slow route, which I think can be super frustrating for fans when they said, oh my God, why don't they just play this guy or let him or sit him or get rid of him, you know, whatever it is. And they can sort of see the bigger picture better than any of us can. Yeah. And I, you know, we certainly talk about rebuilding Do the Islanders need to, you know, they're in, they're in a tough cap situation. They've got some older guys with some bloated contracts. Fans would love to see the Wallstroms and the Bellows and the Dalcalls burst out and take charge of, you know, grab roles by the reins and, and you know, be playing 17, 18 minutes a night. I think you look around, there's two teams and three teams really in the East division that we're going to see a lot of that I think fans can, you can use that as a measuring stick of um, 
how quickly do young players develop even when they're given tons of minutes? The Rangers, the Devils, and the Sabres. We saw the Sabres last night. We'll see them again tonight. A lot of first-round picks, a lot of high first-round picks in that lineup, and they haven't won squat for a decade. I mean, there's other factors at play, obviously. And you look at the Rangers, I think, a team that a lot of people thought was going to break through this year after you know having the number one pick and the second pick overall and getting some key free agent additions and, and some young guys in net, and it's still not working for them. And, you know, we, there's a lot of factors you can point to there. And this is not a Rangers podcast and we won't get into it too much. But it's it's certainly evidence that, you know, I think you look out west and you look at a team like Edmonton that's still struggling to find their footing all these years after having number one pick after number one pick, including the best player in the game right now. Um, so, you know, that is not a magic formula to to suddenly become a contender for a decade or two to have all young guys and turn and just turn them loose. So, you know, the we always say trust Barry Trotz. I think we got to trust Barry Trotz on this one and say the NHL is not a developmental league and they need to bring these guys along a little bit slower than maybe people would like. Well, and I think also putting faith in the the room guys, the locker room guys, right? And I mentioned Johnny Boychuk and you look at this core and you look at somebody like J.G. Pajot and I love what Barry Trotz said. He's like, you win with guys like J.G. Pajot. And he may not show up, he may not be on the score sheet every night. And obviously he's got a three-game goal scoring streak right now, but you win with a guy like that. He's a character guy. So you take all these incredible talents that you're talking about, these high draft picks, and you put them together, you don't know what's going to happen with their chemistry and that intangible. Right. And I think that's where Barry Trotz is uh, is really, really good. Yeah. All right. We'll close with uh, a, a personal question for AJ from her stellar playing career from Brian G. AJ, when you played, how hard did you shoot the puck? <laughs> Uh, well, luckily for me, um, but I played before there was any radar technology, so <laughs> I have no idea and I can't answer that. I am tall for those who don't know I'm five eleven, so I did have a pretty hard shot just based on the leverage that I had. So I could, I could wind it up pretty good, um, and would play, you know, different times. I played that, um, that flank, that release position and could one time. And then when I played, played defense, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. And that's one of those beautiful answers. I can say, we'll never know, but let's just say hard. Okay. Well, maybe we can get you out there on a rink at some point. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're good with, with that. With a speed gun. <laughs> it's probably not Ryan Pollock level anymore, but. Oh man. God, no, never was. Well, thank you, everyone, for the questions. Thank you, AJ, for all your analysis and answers. And uh, thanks, as always, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is the No Sleep Till Belmont podcast from The Athletic. We'd love you to sign up and subscribe on, any, on your favorite platform. Leave a review. It certainly helps us out. And if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can do so at theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont for $3.99 a month. Catch you next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.